Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. It is time once again for Blitz Boys here on Jack Wagon Sports. Uh, we have a loaded show for you guys this week. We're going to do our ACC preview, but also we had breaking news yesterday in the world of college football. Uh, a huge betting scandal uh, coming from the entire state of Iowa. I believe it involves Iowa State and Iowa. Not too many details are, are out about Iowa athletes being involved yet, but it is confirmed that there have been some involved. Um, but we're going to talk about the Iowa State guys today. Uh, one of them was the star QB, uh, Hunter Deckers. Uh, Dodge Salzer, uh, I believe I'm saying that right. Um, Salzer, maybe. Uh, he is a sophomore player. Um, I'm definitely going to mess up this one. He was a herky. It was a former player. He was on the Denver Broncos. Um, and then Panero Johnson is a wrestler. Uh, we're going to briefly talk about all four. Give the alleged details. Uh, that's the key word here is this is all alleged. Hasn't been proved in court or anything like that. Uh, but an affidavit has been filed. Uh, charges are being brought against these guys. Uh, so first up is Hunter Deckers. Uh, he placed 366 total bets, uh, totaling $2,799. Uh, 26 of those events or, or bets were on I Iowa State events. Only one of them was confirmed to be a football game. Uh, so that's important to note. You and I and Nick were all talking yesterday. There was a lot of talk out there that he was possibly throwing games last season. He started all 12 games. Um, but as of right now, the only confirmed thing is it was one football game from the 2021 season. It was a game that he did not play in. Um, he was not 21 at the time most of these bets were placed. He used an account set up by, through his parents. Um, as for Dodge, uh, he is, like I said, he's going to be a sophomore this year. 113 bets totaling $3,075. Uh, 12 of those uh, were on Iowa State football games. Um, Uba uh was a former player. <laughs> uh, as I said, uh, he was actually suspended by the NFL last week for betting on Denver Bronco games uh, last season. He was drafted in the fourth round by the Broncos. Uh, 32 bets were placed on the Broncos. Um, as for his college days, 801 bets totaling $21,300. Four of those were on Iowa State football games. Uh, and then you and I were talking about this because you, you're big in the college wrestling. Uh, Panero Johnson uh, won the Big 12 wrestling title last year for his weight class. Um, 1,283 bets, totaling $45,600. 25 of those bets were on Iowa State events. Uh, now, the, the important thing to note, especially about Dodge and Panero, they're not 21. They, they weren't even supposed to be allowed to bet. Uh, you know, it, it's one thing. First of all, you're not supposed to be betting on college athletics, period. That's the, that's the NCAA rule. Um, but the fact that they were doing it before they returned 21, probably most likely how Deckers was doing it, you know, a fund mm -hmm. or, or an account set up through the parents. Um, yeah, his parents. Yeah. Um, but, the, I mean, Dodge and, and Deckers, it, it's bad. But the, the fact that their totals are, like, around $3,000, it's like, okay, you know, they weren't going – Maybe they were, and they were just losing a lot of money back and forth. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't quite know. Is that, is that total like money wagered? Is that total like how much money they put in towards bets in the like yeah. eight hundred bets or you know like that's my question. Like, did did uh did Deckers bet twelve hundred dollars, but he right. made eighty thousand dollars on these bets or something? You know, like I don't understand. Uh, yeah. I, I got all this information from an ESPN article, mm -hmm. and it just said bets totaling, you know, near $3,000. So, again, I don't know if that's total money earned or total money wagered. Uh, but the fact that Johnson 
did over 1,200 bets, and again, totaling 45,000, almost 46,000 dollars, is absolutely insane. Um, I I think where we're headed with this, and I'm, I want to get your opinion here in a second. I, I think we're heading towards college athletics being removed from from betting, uh, and you know, uh, uh, there's always another outlet, and even more illegal outlet for you know if kids really want to do this to go to, but. Just in this day and age, everything being more accessible and sports gambling, as much as you and I enjoy doing it, obviously it's causing quite a problem in college athletics now. Uh, we had, if you think back to the spring, the Alabama baseball coach get fired because mm-hmm. he used a, a, a third-party guy to go out and place a hundred. I think it was a hundred thousand-dollar bet on an Alabama game. Then he and pulled then his guy, pitcher. <laughs> yeah, that, and the guy stood at the window saying, "I have insider information. Like, I want, I yeah. need to place this bet." And they're like. You can't place a hundred thousand dollar bet, like yeah. And and the head coach and, yeah. pulls pulls the starting pitcher in like the fifth inning. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, I I really think that's where we're heading is eventually college athletics are going to get removed. Obviously, betting has become a problem in the NFL. We've seen as well. Uh, you know, he was a harky, and then also I think it was Calvin Ridley. Or yeah. No, not Calvin Ridley. No, no, no. It was uh, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Calvin Ridley. He played for the Falcons, and then he changed. Yeah. Yeah, I knew it was the Falcons. Those are the only two that knowingly bet on NFL games, whereas everybody else has done from the NFL is, you know, hey, you're, you're not supposed to do this in the facility, and they did it, and, and certain other rules like that that they didn't follow. But I think if this limelight, the Alabama baseball coach, I think we're heading to a world where college moves from draft and so on. Um, your thoughts on this whole ordeal that's coming out and where you think we're headed? Yeah, I mean, I think that if you – get to be in that profession of being the head baseball coach, uh, a quarterback for a big, big football team in college atmosphere, um, uh, wrestler, like whatever the deal is in terms of a sports athlete or coach. I don't think that you should be able to do any of that. I mean, the same way that they should, that they control like uh, a lot of coaches, social media and stuff like that. I Mm -hmm. think that, at this time, I mean, you, you are getting money. If you're good enough, you're getting money in scholarship for the school as well as uh, the NIL deals and stuff like that. I don't think that, like there's really a necessity for you to be betting unless you have ill will like intentions. Like mm-hmm. it, the only way that you're personally going out and doing these bets, especially for the starting quarterback, you've got to think that he has at least one NIL deal that his schooling is at least getting paid for. Like he's walking away from college with no debt, at least setting mm-hmm. him up him up that even if NFL is not a thing, or CFL, whatever, you know, uh, he's at least setting himself up to be debt free after college and be able to start right on the right track. You know, um, I don't think there's any reason for, for, for you to be betting unless you're trying to scam. Right. Um, yeah. So obviously our big 12 preview is going to be next week. Uh, if there's more information, we'll definitely talk about this more next week. Uh, but just overall, very shocking to see come out. Um, and I, I am very interested to see where this goes. Again, this is all alleged. Uh, none, of, none of it has been proven in court. That's very important to say. We don't but, have, but one out of like Brett Favre and Pat Decker's, Decker's attorney has already released a statement stating that he will not play this season. He's stepping yes. away from the yep. team. Um, obviously, any of these guys um, – all of them being younger athletes, uh, except for how do you say the one guy's name is in the NFL? Don't ask me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, all of these guys, if they're convicted, they lose the rest of their college eligibility. Um, 
I would assume that any sort of um, NIL deals, college scholarships, all that stuff will be ripped right away. Um, so it, it's just a bad situation for everyone involved, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's go ahead. Let's move on to our ACC season preview. Um, I think this is a, a conference that has a lot of depth in it uh, and a lot of different things that can happen this season. Uh, this will be their first season without divisions. Uh, they got rid of the Coastal and the Atlantic divisions. So, again, just like um, the Big Ten is going to go to next year as well as uh, the SEC, uh, the Pac-12 does this now. There's no divisions. Two best teams, and they go to the conference championship game and play it out. Um, there is, you know, a lot of talk about what's called the Magnificent Seven. Uh, it's seven schools, Clemson, UNC, NC State, Miami, Florida State, Virginia, and Virginia Tech. Those seven schools, they want more money. They see wh where the world of college football is going. They see the media deals, the SEC, the Big Ten are getting. And they, they realize that they're, the, the gap, the pay gap between these schools is growing more and more. They're going to fall behind in recruiting. Uh, and they want the ACC to give them more money. The problem is the ACC, while it might have seemed smart at the time to lock down such a massive and long contract with ESPN, um, the contract runs through the, the 2035-36 uh, school year. Um, is the, the ESPN has no desire to renegotiate now. They gave so much money to the SEC, and they have the ACC on such a premium right now and for such a long time. The ESPN has no incentive to negotiate. Nor do they need to. Right. Um, so these seven schools are currently trying to figure out a way to get out of this contract and out of the ACC as a whole. Um, the, the major stonewall they're running into is it's a $52 million exit uh, to get out. Um, and so I, I just want to get your opinion on how do you think the ACT can, first of all, keep these seven schools, or if worst case, if they find a way to get an eighth member to join them, they can completely dissolve the conference. Um, do you think the ACC has any chance of surviving this at, at all? Um, and if so, you know, kind of how? Yeah, so I think that they're going to definitely be able to to resolve this. I think it's going to have to come from sponsorship and funding. I don't think that they're able – I don't think anything's going to change with the ESPN rights. I mean, that's that's what you get. That'd be like, uh, I don't know, uh, Dak Prescott signing a, a deal for, you know, however much money and then having a, a MVP season the next year and being like, oh, I could have signed for 15 more million had I took the franchise tag last year and, like, it would ended up with 60 million more, you know, like you just have to, that's what you signed and that's what you got. So that's what you go with. I don't think that they're very comparable to the SEC in terms of uh, the deal that they should have deserved to begin with. I mean, obviously, like you said, they ESPN got them at a premium, uh, but that was also the security and getting to make sure that their players get to be on a prime television network for, you know, the NFL scouts, everyone to see week in and week out. Um, I, I do think that the only team that might possibly – so wait, is it just per school? It's the $52 million buyout? It's per school, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, th I think that the only way that something would change is – and the only team I see this happening with possibly is Clemson. I could see them getting enough funding to where they're able to buy out and go to, I don't know, maybe the SEC, maybe the Big Ten, you know, maybe, maybe Pac-12 gives them a shit ton of money because they're trying to save their <laughs> – their uh sinking ship right now you know um maybe the big 12 tries to tries to leapfrog and and get up there by doing something i don't know what the what the outcome would be you know but 
I really only see Clemson being the only team to be able to get enough funding and school, you know, backing because that doesn't just affect the sports teams. That's going to affect the scholarship, everything at the school. Uh, but yeah, what, what do you think? Uh, I, I think the ACC might figure out a way to not completely lose this conference, but I think they end up losing these seven schools. I mean, if you look around, look at the big 12, for example, the big 12 is ex- expanding somehow. And this was, if you look back at, at last off season, this was a conference everybody thought would be gone first. You know, they were losing two of their biggest schools in Texas and Oklahoma. Yeah, they were adding more, but it wasn't at, at such a value that it felt like it equaled out. And just overall, the, the Big 12 product is lacking. You know, the, the, they've had a few teams make the playoff, mainly Oklahoma. TCU made it last year, but, uh, you know, outside of their upset win over Michigan, they get steamrolled 65-7 to in the national title. It's, it's not a good look for the Big 12. Now, all of a sudden, they, they just added Colorado. And again, you know, while I agree with uh, head coach Dan Lanning, you know, they – added nothing to the Pac-12, overall, they're, they're going to bring in more TV money, mm-hmm. more eyes on them because of Deion Sanders going there and so on. Um, but the Big 12 is, is paying schools a lot of money. It's, it was $44 million last year. A school, due to their TV contract, is going to go up to $50 million this year, or it might be next year. Um, so if you look at, again, it's $52 million exit fee. I don't think a lot of these schools want to go join the Big 12, but if you know, again, the Big 12 is third place in terms of conference health, I would say, right now. Um, I, I think these conferences can absolutely give these schools money to head over there. It, if not the full $52 million, get it close enough that it, it's not such a, a pain for these other comp or schools to back out of the ACC deal. So I, I think we're heading towards a world where, at least, if not all seven schools, a majority of these seven schools leave. Um so to piggyback off of that, the ACC would like to expand, and especially if they lose some of these schools, they need to fill those spots. Mm-hmm. Who do you think are potential candidates uh, to fit, whether it's just something that you want to see or it's a geographical fit or, or just overall, who do you, what schools do you have that potentially join the ACC? Yes, I mean, I think that um... – uh, some of the conferences that we had already talked about, you know, um, what was it, the AAC, um, the yeah, MAC, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, I think that they might possibly be able to push some teams from there. I think realistically what's what's going to happen, I mean, it's unfortunate for the Pac-12, but just the way that things are going right now, if if the, you know, the stories and stuff are, are correct and they end up losing both Oregon and who was the other team? Uh, Washington is talking about leaving. Utah is talked about leaving. Arizona, Arizona State. Yeah. So I mean, like, and and I just seen that like Apple seems to be the front runner for their their TV deal. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I think that's going to be tough for people to to really get on board to to do viewership and stuff for the teams. You know, I I just think that the Pac-12 is probably going to be the one that offers the most teams to any conference, and that would be the the best chance for the ACC to, you know, pick up some teams geographically horrible. Right. That's just like, yeah, that's just like USC and uh, UCLA with the big 10. I mean, it just doesn't geographically, it doesn't make sense. It's so right. expensive for them to be flying teams back and forth every week, you know? Right. Uh, but that that's my biggest theory going into this is that if they do lose teams and they need to, you know, do a quick grab of some teams, I could see the PAC 12 being that, that uh, conference that they pull from. Yeah. Um, before I give you my picks real quick, which conference do you think is in a worse position right now? Is it the Pac-12 or is it the ACC? Um, 
have we got any confirmation that Oregon is actually going anywhere? Oregon. So I don't. I saw the picture been, with been, the Buckeye thing. No, and nothing's been a hundred percent. Yeah, nothing's been a hundred percent confirmed. I think the the major rumor coming out right now mm-hmm. is Oregon was in talks with the Big Twelve to go there to kind of force the Big Ten's hand of like, yeah. hey, you need to offer us if you want us, or otherwise we are going to go to the Big Twelve. I I, th- I think the way it eventually shakes out, I think Oregon and Washington go to the Big Ten. Uh, and I think you're looking at Utah going to the Big 12. I think the U- Utah is a, is a perfect pickup for the Big 12. You're going to have a rivalry with BYU there already. You don't have to establish anything. There's been talk of Arizona or Arizona State, uh, but I think they're a package deal. Wherever either one of them goes, the other one's going to want to go with them, again, to keep that rivalry. Um, and Big 12 is really only looking for one more school to add. And I think if they're going to do it, I think Utah is a perfect school. There's been up rumors about UConn being floated for that. I think that again, geographically, that would be terrible. Yes, yeah. a really good basketball school. It would, it would add value to that conference in basketball. Um, but I, from what the Big Twelve commissioner has said, is there, they want a football school essentially, and I think you yeah. the perfect candidate there. So, so I guess uh, to go off of some of the knowledge that you've just laid out, you know, I, I think that the Pac-12, I guess I would say personally, right now at this moment, is in a worse situation, just because. Like you're saying, I mean, they're Oregon and them are, are lobbying Big 12, like, oh, yeah, we'll take your contract possibly or whatever in hopes that the Big 10 offers. I mean, realistically, for geographical setting, I think the Big 12 would be a better option. But, um, you know, in terms of long term schedule, being able to be at the top based on your strength of schedule and stuff, I think the Big 10 would be better for those teams. But I, I'm going to go with the Pac 12 being the uh, most depleted. Uh, devastated. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I definitely think the Pac-12 is in a far worse position. And again, it, it took them this long to get any kind of TV deal. They kept saying, oh, we're working on we're working on it. And now it got announced that, and, and while I, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world, it, it's, it's Apple TV. And while I'm I'm happier about that, because now I can finally watch Pac-12 games, uh, well, hopefully. I mean, I, I had the Pac-12 network last year, but I couldn't watch the games. I had to sit there and watch Cal replays from 1984, and it was the dumbest thing ever. So they played on ESPN Plus a lot last year, right? No, they didn't have like any the ten o'clock game. Oh no! Uh, oh. So yeah, they, they had Pac-12 after dark, is what it's yeah, really yeah, called, yeah. and those were on ESPN. But this year, it looks like no games are going to be on ESPN, at least oh. conference games anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that Pac-12 is in, in far worse shape. And all I want to say before we move on, real quick, is I am so like there's so many rumors floating around, and then I, I think they're doing it just to kind of mess with us is every once in a while people just tweet like these eye emojis. It's like, mm-hmm. stop messing with us and just, just tell us what's going on. But yeah, so as far as uh, expansion candidates for the ACC, I have a couple here. My absolute dream one, and this is if Virginia Tech can stay um, and Pittsburgh can stay in those schools, would be West Virginia. Uh, it, you add two natural rivals for them, and it would just be really cool to get those games every single year. Um, as far as really, I, I feel like, solid candidates going forward, uh, SMU, they really want to move to the Power Five. Um, and then ACC would love that because it kind of gives them a tap into the Texas recruiting pipeline. Um, UConn, a uh, huge basketball school. They're improving in football. Uh, but I think basketball-wise, again, if UNC stays, um, and even if not, then it's Duke. You got Duke and UConn. That's going to be one of the best college basketball conferences, um, at, you know, on top of the ACC really already being that. Um UTSA, again, same reasons as SMU. They want to move Power 5. 
and it, it's a Texas tap in for the for recruiting. Uh, Tulane, um, they want to move Power Five as well. Uh, football program has always been kind of respectable and really improved here, especially last year. Um, and then you know that's Louisiana, that not quite Texas, but it's still a, you know a, a south southwest pipeline uh, for these guys. Um, USF, uh, you're going to add Florida rivalries if the, <laughs> the Florida schools don't leave. Um, and then they they watched UCF move to the Big Twelve, and you know they kind of want to resemble their bigger brother. They want to make a move to the Power Five conference as well. Uh, so those are the schools that I think are the most likely candidates, or, or uh, outside of West Virginia. Um, West Virginia is just one I would really like to see. Uh, I was really upset that they went to the Big Twelve to begin with over the ACC, but it, it's worked out for them because they're getting a shit ton of money right now. <laughs> um, let's move on. Uh, so last year, Clemson's offense really struggled, uh, and that's kind of what held them back from being a national title contender. They were still able to win the ACC uh, uh, conference championship game, but overall, their their offense, especially under DJ Uyunglele, I still remember how to say that from last year, um, kind of just just seemed really miserable. Um, you know, they, they lucked into a lot of wins because their defense was so strong. You think Garrett Riley coming over from TCU to take over Clemson is going to make a huge improvement, or, or how do you see their season going this year? A hundred percent. I think that what well, it was like four days after they lost the national championship game that Davis Sweeney uh, is able to announce that that hire. Um, I mean, he was the top assistant last year. What, what's that? The Royals Award. Um, I, I just think that he going in there. He took TCU from 65th in scoring to ninth last year, and they made the national championship. I mean, if you're able to do that there at TCU with some some good receivers and a Heisman caliber uh, a quarterback, and then you go to Clemson where they always have a pretty good defense that has kind of carried them the last two seasons, it seems like, you know. Uh, they went 21-6 and six, uh, in the last two – yeah, the last – Two or three, yeah, two seasons. Um, they were fifty-first in uh, points per game, ninety-sixth in yards per play, and seventy-second in total QBR. Uh, I think that his ability to come in—he's got a sophomore quarterback that he's going to be coaching. Um, and it, it seems like everyone talks about not just his ability to come in and coach uh, Max last year but his ability to really uh, recognize and, you know, get with the wide receivers, that was his big deal with, with the production that he was able to, you know, bring to TCU. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if he's able to do that um, at Clemson, there could be a big change. I think I was reading that uh, from 2018 to 2020, they had at least one receiver over a thousand yards every year. And the closest they've gotten is like 640 yards since yeah. then. Um, that, that's pretty crazy. Uh, I think that that, couple with him and the QB are both Texas natives. Um, they'll be uh, really jiving with their cowboy boots and big belt buckles or whatnot. But I, I just think that he, he's got a lot going for him. He's Lincoln Riley's younger brother, correct? And yep. so uh, I, I think that him being able to do pretty much this exact thing at TCU, going from 65th and scoring to ninth and making the national championship, he's got a pretty good d- deal going into Clemson, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I feel like Clemson has arguably one of the best backfields in the entire college football landscape uh, with Will Shipley and Kate Klubnick. Obviously, we didn't see 
long stretches of Klubnik playing last year. He came in in the NC State game. I think his first start was the ACC championship game. Uh, and then he also played in the Orange Bowl as well. He's, he's shown flashes of why he was so highly touted as a recruit. Uh, but at the same time, you know, adjusting to this new offense, obviously Garrett Riley has, has done great developing these quarterbacks. But, you know, it, it's always a risk going to a brand new school, going to a guy who has been taught something, you know, a certain way, especially all last year and now having to completely reverse it. Um, you know, is, is he going to be able to improve or, you know, continue how strong he looked or is he going to kind of take a step back? Uh, but my, my biggest concern as far as Clemson goes is, is you touched on it, uh, is their wide receiver room. Um, Davis Allen was their top receiver last year. He played tight end, and he's gone. Antonio Williams was their overall, if you just look at just wide receivers, he was their number one wide receiver last year. He was a freshman. This year he's going to be a sophomore. Um, but he didn't break 100 yards in a single game last year, and he still managed to lead that entire receiving room. Um, so my, my biggest concern as far as if Clemson can really – Kind of put their stamp on it and say, "Hey, we're back." You know, it, I say Clemson left, but they they won the ACC championship last year. It, the reason we're saying they fell off is because they didn't make the you know, mm-hmm. college football playoff. Um, so, I mean, if they can find a nice complement of wide receivers and develop that wide receiver room a little bit more, yeah, they are absolutely back. But if that is kind of what holds them back, you know, if if they're not fully clicking and you're you're having to rely uh, you know so much on the run game like they did last year. Um, you know they might win the ACC again, but I, I feel like we're we're going to be looking at them as uh, a ten and two team, nine and three team, something like that, come the end of the year and missing out on the playoffs. Um, all right, let's move on. So everybody knows who the or feels who they know is the top two teams in the ACC this year. It's going to be Clemson and Florida State. Florida State brings so much back. Clemson is is Clemson, uh, and everybody feels like those two teams are going to be duking it out to see who who wins the conference. Um, but there's a, a huge kind of cluster of teams fighting for that number three spot. Who do you have as a number three team right now in the ACC? Yeah, I went with UNC. I think that we're going to get to it after this, talking about Drake May and everything. But uh, I think that he's going to be able to kind of produce a similar season like last year. And I think that he's if he's able to do that, I mean, they're bringing in a new offensive coordinator. Um, I, I think that they'll be able to, you know, kind of compete there for that third spot um you know if this was any other year and there was the split conferences uh we would probably be looking at them in the ACC championship no doubt you know uh but with Florida State and Clemson being on the same side previously but now that it's all split up I mean I do think that the one thing that works for um UNC is that they don't play Florida State they only play Clemson this year so I think that that kind of will will really aid in them kind of possibly avoiding, you know, two losses, you know, right. To uh, in, I'm actually, in conference. Yeah. I'm going to disagree with you. And, and my biggest reason why is Gene Chizik on defense. He's had two years now to figure it out. And their defense even took a, a bigger step back last year. Uh, they were 116th in total defense last year. Uh, their defense is, is atrocious to watch at times. Um, and if, if you look at Chip Lindsay coming in at offensive coordinator, he comes from UCF. Uh, he's been talking a lot the entire offseason about putting a, a bigger emphasis on the run game. Um, if you look at passing off or offensive rankings last year, uh, UNC ranked 11th in passing, 67th in rushing, and 19th in total offense. UCF was 57th in passing, 9th in rushing, and 16th in total offense. Mm-hmm. So when I look at that, and I understand Drake May is, is a dual threat quarterback, 
Uh, but my, my concern there would be if, if they're putting a bigger emphasis on the run game, uh, that can kind of take away from their, their passing attack, which is what made Drake May so good last year. My other concern with Drake May is when he runs the ball, he doesn't go down. You know, he, he fights to get those extra yardage, and while that's awesome to see at times, there, there also needs to be times where he's smart enough to, to slide or step out of bounds. Um, hopefully, you know, Lindsey can kind of preach that to him and get that through his head. Otherwise, you know, he can end up hurt, you know, just a few weeks into the season. And, and a guy that's touted Don't to be a Heisman. Don't put that on him. <laughs> a guy that's touted to be a Heisman, uh, you know, candidate is, is now all of a sudden out for the season or out for a long stretch of time. Right. Um, so that's why I'm going to go against UNC. I feel like another school that's kind of being picked right now is NC State. Uh, they lose uh, Devin Leary, uh, but they also had a, a really good – he was hurt, you know, I, I feel like a solid portion of the season last year. So they they got two backups who had good experience. Um, they're also losing Devin Carter at wide receiver, uh, their number one leading wide receiver, which I feel like is going to be a problem. Um, Robert Ann is coming over from Virginia to be – he was the offense coordinator there. He's going to be the offense coordinator here. Uh Virginia had one of the worst offenses last year. Like, I, I'm genuinely confused why NC State thought it was a better idea to hire this guy than anybody else. Um, NC State last year ranked 74th in passing, 110th in rushing, 105th total. Virginia was 81st in passing, 102nd in rushing, 103rd in total offense. So they were two better players. Tomato, tomato. Yeah, exactly. Um and so Brent, Brendan Armstrong is also coming over from Virginia. Listen, he, he's a D1 quarterback. He's got D1 experience. He's just not that good. And so I, I think people are expecting NC State to, to kind of have a better offense this year. And I absolutely don't see it at all. Uh, I, I have two teams. I'm, I know I'm rambling on here. I have two teams that I'm picking uh, to be that third team in the ACC. The first is Duke. I think Duke's the most surprising. Uh, they went 9-4 and four last year and Mike Elko's first year. Uh, Riley Leonard is coming back. He threw for or had 3,666 yards of total offense, passing and rushing, 33 total touchdowns, six interceptions. They have a really strong offensive line. They have a pretty favorable schedule this year outside of Notre Dame. I think they play Clemson as well. I don't think they play Florida State, though. So I think Duke is absolutely a team that can surprise a lot of people and be fighting for that third spot, you know, if something happens with either Clemson or Florida State, possibly fighting to get into that title game. Um the other team I'm looking at is Louisville. Uh, Jeff Brom is coming over from Purdue. Uh, they have a very generous schedule. I think their toughest game is Notre Dame. Um, I think they also play Clemson, but that's at home at least. So that could be you know a possible upset. Uh, Malik Cunningham is going to be very hard to replace on the offensive side of the ball. But Jack Plummer, uh, he's coming over from Cal. Cal was very terrible last year, but Jack Plummer threw for over 3,000 yards, 21 total touchdowns, and nine interceptions. So I mean, if, if Brom can kind of develop him into an Aiden O'Connell-like quarterback, uh, you know, they could be very impressive as well. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch them. Um, so uh, you, you already kind of said it. Who do you have winning the ACC this year? Oh, I'm, um, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Back up. Back up. Do, you think, <laughs> do you think Drake May is contending for another Heisman this year? Um, I, I don't know. You know, I, I think that – like you had said, he was a pass and run guy. He was basically the offense last year, 4,300 yards passing, 342 completions on 518 attempts. Uh, right now he's picked a good number three in the draft. Uh, it's Mac Brown's the head coach there, right? Yeah. He basically had Drake May in on all the conversations with 
the hiring of the assistant process. He hit it off with Chip Lindsey right away. And Chip Lindsey basically told him that you're not running the ball out of the pocket this season. Yeah. The offensive line lifts and uh, run the damn ball uh, t-shirts. It's just, I think that Chip Lindsey is coming in and UNC is with the idea that this is use all of the great attributes that Drake may is capable of doing without letting him run outside the pocket, run the ball as much as possible and just hope that he's got his perfect spiral going that game, you know, and every time that they do pass the ball, it's a big completion, you know, when they need it. Uh, I think that this season is really going to be like preserve his talent in hopes that like you had said, he doesn't get hurt right before the draft. Um, obviously, uh, that's going to be the hope with every quarterback that is, that is really good the season before, and then has the opportunity to be drafted the following season. Uh, but I just think that the fact that Drake may ask for the new offensive coordinator coming in to, to not just be like good at running an offense. He wanted them to kind of be quarterbacks specific in that he wanted them to like get on him and hound him for all of the things that he's doing crappy. Like this is basically like, a training year for the NFL, it seems like in terms of how they went about the hiring process for the offensive coordinator and how they basically came in and said, you're not running the ball. We're going to run the ball as much as possible. Don't look Mm -hmm. to throw for 4,000 yards this season. Um, And I, I, it's just so hard to, to understand if for me or to comprehend, to think if he's going to be Heisman or not, because this could go where they only let him throw for, you know, 3000 yards and he does great in that, but there's so many other people that are going to throw for 4,000 yards and do good at it, which will take him lower down in the Heisman. Yeah. I think he gets the invite to New York this year. uh, Just because I feel like this is going to be a copycat of last season where outside of just because Caleb Williams won it last year, there's going to be so many comers and goers. Mm -hmm. And if, even if they are running the ball more and obviously their, their goal is to keep him healthy, if he can even, you know, put up it, it, as long as he's not having a completely self-destructive year where he's throwing like 20 interceptions or, or even 10, if he's protecting the ball, throws for a bunch of touchdowns and, and you know, can, like I said, just be healthy. Um, I think it, it'll be enough to get him to New York. I don't think he's going to win the Heisman this year, uh, but I, I think he he's going to be able to keep his name in the conversation at least. Um, now moving on, who do you have winning the ACC this year? Uh, I'm going with Clemson. So you have Duke as possibly being one of the third place teams. Clemson gets them first game of the season. It's in, it's at Duke. But um, I think that with Clemson being favored by two touchdowns right now, if they're able to just, you know, not go out and get surprised that they're able to get past that. Um, The fact that they play Florida state at home fourth game of the season is a little scary just because then they go and don't really have like a huge competitive game until, I don't know. I would say Notre Dame. And then after that, they play North Carolina second to last game of the season at home. So, I mean, those two, I mean, just the three teams that we had kind of mentioned being the top teams, you know, in, uh, in, sorry, in Duke, in UNC, uh, Florida state, Clemson. I mean, Duke's the only game that they play away and it's the first game of the season. So I think that the, the schedule itself is very favorable for Clemson. And so that's why I have them. Uh, I'm going to go with Florida State for most likely a lot, a lot you know, a lot of the same reasons. Um, Jordan Travis, though, I feel like is he showed he was one of a, a, he has a bright future in college football. Uh, he looked really good at times last year, and I think you know with the 
another full year of development. Uh, I think he's he's going to be a Heisman contender as well. Um, their top wide receiver and tight end return this year. Uh, if their defense can even just like min- like minimally improve, uh, they were 75th in rush defense last year. I, I think this could be a, a very complete team and very scary to play against. Um, looking at their schedule, their two toughest games is LSU the first week, uh, which is going to be not at home, but it's going to be in Florida. Uh, and also, yeah, and then uh, Clemson, who they have to play on the road. Outside of that, they have a very generous schedule. They get Duke at home. Uh, they have to travel to Pitt, but they get Miami at home. Um, so I, I feel like they, again, have a very generous schedule. I think it, it's easy to look at Clemson and Florida State and mm-hmm. say, this this is who's playing in Charlotte in December. Um, who do you have as your most improved team for the season in the ACC? Yeah, so kind of to piggyback off of one of the other teams that you kind of see as being maybe possibly one of the, that third-place team, I went with NC State. I think they went 4-4 four and four in the conference last year, 8-5 and five on the season. Uh, they went 2-4 and four on, on the road. Uh, I think that if they're just able to kind of flip that, you know, uh, I think that they have a great season. And, and it's a big turnaround for them just in terms of where they finished last season. Uh, the ACC is just – on the one side you had like three or four teams eight and four and on the other side you had three or four teams seven and six so it was like crazy to think that one team's like third or one team six you know it's kind of hard to to judge it in those terms but i just think that they're able to kind of flip that away schedule this year and be able to improve upon last year yeah i mean nc state's biggest problem last year was they, they just had such a hard time staying healthy throughout the whole season um, but I'm actually going to go with Louisville here. Uh, again, Louisville was kind of middle of the pack last year. They were able to pull up a couple, you know, big wins here and there. Uh, but I think with Jeff Rom coming in again, it just how consistent he had that program at Purdue. Louisville was so fast to hire him too out of, out of the blocks. He was hired before you know the Purdue bowl game, so he didn't even uh, push in that that bowl game or anything. Um, so he's been with this program the entire offseason, kind of instilling his culture and instilling this this new offense. Um, Again, with Plummer coming in, we've seen that he has the ability to be a really good quarterback. Now, now the question is, can he kind of be consistent? Can he not turn the ball over so much? Um, so I, I'm going with Louisville to be the most improved team this year. Um, who do you have as the biggest disappointment or the team that's going to regress the most from last season in the ACC? Yeah, in terms of uh, decline or regression, I have Syracuse. I think that uh, just looking at their schedule, I I confidently have them winning three games, which, I mean, they went seven and six last year. Three three and nine is a huge disappointment compared to last season going seven and six. I mean, I have them beating Colgate, Boston College, and Georgia Tech. Uh, I, I mean, maybe four and eight with like a Virginia Tech win or something. You know, I don't, I don't really know where else. I think that they're going to have a lot of close games and they're going to come out on the wrong end of all of them. And that's just mm-hmm. going to be a big decline for them. They're not going to look at it that way. They're going to be like, we lost a lot of close games, almost like Detroit Lions. You know, we lost a lot of games. We were in the game, but mm-hmm. the record still shows that you sucked. Yeah. I, I mean, if you look back at last season, I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I'm taking Syracuse as the, the team to take the biggest step back. Um, they're losing their top running back. Uh, mm-hmm. they're actually, they lost their starter running back from last year. The guy that was supposed to take over has now been suspended indefinitely. Um, so they're going to have to rely, I believe, is a true freshman coming in. Um, there's a lot of questions in the wide receiver room for them as well. We just talked about that with uh, Clemson, but Clemson at least has like established guys that are coming back for the most part. Uh, Syracuse is, is almost starting from, from fresh. Uh, also, 
I don't have any faith in Garrett Schrader as a quarterback. Uh, these guys were 6-0 and last year. They were up at Clemson last year at halftime, and they just completely fell apart, and they didn't win a game until I think it was the last week of the regular season. They finally snapped that losing streak. Uh, then they go to the pinstripe bowl, and it was a close game, but Minnesota was just embarrassing. It was, it was close because Minnesota held onto the ball for 90% of the, the possession time. Um, yeah, so they, they lost their next four, and then they overall five out of six games after that Clemson. Um, again, leading the number, I think at that time, Clemson was number three in the nation, number four, uh, and they were leading them at halftime. And, you know, we're like, oh, my God, Syracuse is back. You know, we, we talked about it just about every week last year, but, like, we're, we're, we're going to ride the orange wave here. And then they, they crashed and burned and they crashed hard. Um, but yeah, again, difficult schedule. Uh, yeah, they have Army at home. That's the only other game that I would consider probably winnable for them. Uh, but, again, Army's going to hold the ball the entire game. Um, right. But, yeah, they go – they have Clemson at home, at UNC, at Florida State, at Virginia Tech, Boston College at home, Pitt at home, at Georgia Tech, and then Wake Forest at home. So incredibly difficult schedule for them this season. I agree with you. I, I don't see Syracuse making a bold game this year is how I put I won't say they're, they're only going to win three games or four games, um, but I don't see Syracuse making a bold game. Um, so that'll another, wrap up. Her- another okay, thing I ahead. wanted to quick add about uh, NC, or UNC is that I just find it so crazy that they made the ACC championship and a bowl game last year, having lost the last four games of their season. Uh, right. I think that if, if they're able to write the ship there, I think that it's, it's hard not to see them, you know, just to add to my thinking that they will be like that third place team kind of standalone. That, that was just the other kind of tidbit I wanted to add to that. Right. Um, before uh, we go away, um, so back to the Iowa Iowa State thing. <laughs> so it was just announced. Um, Iowa walk on kicker. I'm sorry. This is a complaint. So nothing for sure yet. Iowa walk on kicker Aaron Blom bet the under on the 2021 Cyhawk football game. Iowa uh, won 27 to 17. The over under was 45. So the bet hit. Um, <laughs> Reese Davis responds and goes. This is less gambling and more risk-free investing. <laughs> and uh, another tweet I saw uh, said, I think it's more alarming that someone needed inside information to bet the under on Iowa game. Yeah. Uh, so, again, we're, we're going to talk about more of that next week. We have the Big 12 preview, and I'm sure more information and news is going to come out about this. So we'll make sure we keep you guys updated on this entire situation. Uh, but that'll do it for Blitz Boys this week. Thank you guys so much for checking us out. Uh, make sure you come back next week for that preview and every uh, the Pac-12 is a week after that and the SEC will be the final preview before we talk about week zero. Uh, so we are getting close to college football. We're officially in the month of August. Uh, it kicks off August 26th. Uh, Out of the Tunnel will be live August 26th. Uh, so more information coming about that. Uh, but we will see you guys next week.